Welcome to The Sober Unicorn. We are a gay-hosted, all-inclusive podcast about sobriety and addiction recovery for the LGBT plus community and all of our allies. I'm your host, Holden, and thank you for joining us today. Well, hello, hello, everybody. It's Holden back here again with The Sober Unicorn. Of course, most of you guys already know that. So um, today we are being joined by Samantha. Hello, Samantha. Hi, everybody. Hi, Holden. So Samantha here, we actually kind of met in the rooms um, and we didn't really ever like super talk or anything. We just like kind of knew of each other, knew about each other. Um, And as I think I've kind of touched on it that I've recently um, released my first installment of my memoir and Samantha as well has also released a book recently, um, like two days prior to me, I believe, like two or three I days. Oh, that's so crazy. It was like three or two days prior. So I'm I'm happy to get her on to discuss the book. Um, so the, the title of the book, if anybody wants to know, it's called Surviving the Shadow. It's Unveiling the Darkness. So before we get into kind of the nitty-gritty of the book, um, like what is the like kind of one like one sentence or like one statement that encompasses the book entirely I feel like it says it's straightforward in the title (laughs) surviving the shadow unveiling the darkness but like I'll give like I guess like a little brief sentence on it it's um about my experience um where my active addiction took me to um which was being human trafficked and the stories behind that and the reality behind that Okay, and how like how old were you when you stepped into the trafficking portion? So this is what happens, right? Like I grew up in a very emotionally, physically, and sexually abusive household, but um, I didn't really get human trafficked until I was around seventeen years old, even though I was already being sexually abused at younger ages. Okay, so it was like kind of at a later age, unlike some some others that start at a super super young age. So before we kind of like dive head first into that, uh, because I'm going to warn everybody on this episode, especially trigger warning for anybody that may um, have triggers regarding like sexual assault or anything regarding sex or being human traffic, stuff like that, because nobody needs to be triggered on any of these episodes. (laughs) So we're going to just forewarn everybody. So addiction. Okay, let's let's start there. The thing is, what kind of led you to go in the depths of of addiction? Um, so like I stated before, like I grew up in a very tumultuous household, like with Hispanic parents, very controlling, but like they didn't know what was going on with their own kids, like that we were being um sexually abused by a whole other family member, right? And like I remember around 12 years old, 13 years old, I got a case of can I curse on here? Yes, of course. I get a curse on here, right? <laughs> I got a case of what I like to call the fuckets. Um, I was bullied all my life through like my childhood. Um, and uh, on top of that, like the one real father figure that I had was my grandfather. Like that was my rock. And like, I do have a dad today, like a present father figure, but like growing up, um, I didn't really see him as my dad. So I leaned a lot on my grandfather and my grandfather passed away when I was like between the ages of 12 and 13 years old. And that's when I got that case. And um, everyone was like, 
smoking and doing like, I guess, not so heavy substances, quote unquote. And that's when I really got into that. And um, I had my first suicide attempt at that age. Um, I ended up getting into Baker Act units. So like Baker Act units have been a regular thing for me since I was like a child. And I started running away from home and meeting people from Twitter, meeting people from Instagram, like in real life. And that's when that's what kind of led me to that. And like, it's just a feeling of being misunderstood and wanting to fit in or like get out of myself, you know? And if anybody doesn't know what a Baker Act is, uh, depending on where kind of, I've seen it depends on where you're located in America, whether they call it a Baker Act, a 5150. Essentially, it's where, say if I was young and like a out of control child, my mom would be like, oh, he's a danger to himself. And the popos would come. They would take my ass to a psych unit. Normally the hold is, 72 hours but it's always a case-by-case basis they can always hold you for longer and it's always involuntary so you cannot leave if if you want to leave so if anybody needs to know what a baker act is here we go 101s so of course you did that um you started getting into of course as you said smoking not really the narcotic side of things so was drinking and smoking say pot or just smoking in general was that not enough or did it take the um a boyfriend or somebody else to influence the actual harder drugs? Yeah, so it definitely took a boyfriend, what I call my first healthy relationship, psych, 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 psych. My first uh real toxic romantic relationship. I mean, I was smoking, I was drinking, but obviously, like for me personally, it wasn't enough to fulfill anything. Um, and in discovering um, harder substances and like the underground music scene here in Miami at like such an early age he introduced me to so like a whole new world of drugs that like I didn't freaking understand and like I developed this tendency where I was like oh you have it give it to me whatever the fuck it was I didn't care if it was a pill if it was something to snort something to eat I didn't care whatever was gonna get my get me out of me is what I did that's what I did. And it didn't matter the substance or the person or the thing because it yeah. developed in many ways for me. So the underground music scene, if we think about like EDM and EDC nowadays where you have it in Vegas, Orlando and, and all over the world really, was that essentially that but just underground or is there even a deeper, darker scene that we don't realize is there? It's a lot deeper and darker. I mean, I am I allowed to say names on here too? <laughs> I mean, you I mean you I mean at the end of the day, you could drop whatever the it's fuck you want to drop. Of my story. So, um so I want to get into like the reality of it. Like all these underground Broward and Miami rappers that were up and coming, like the X's and the Skis and their rap group and stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of the human trafficking and I'm sorry. I have dogs, by the way. And one of my dogs is biting on my headphones. <laughs> I do apologize. All good. Uh, so these rappers and like their friend group and stuff like that, like, I'm just going to get into the nitty gritty of it. Okay. So X's old manager, who's actually a famous porn star, um, which is ironic, um, has these houses or had these houses in my time at Miami where women um, were being sexually exploited and basically they were porn houses as they would call it all over Miami and Broward but really what they were doing is drugging all of us recording us secretly and putting it out um, as porn and all these rappers were getting their fix through us 
they would give us anything and everything so that's and- a, one thing i was going to ask in the book you you kind of discuss the the rappers and the, the broward people and stuff like that mm-hmm. So in this book here, you kind of gave everybody, um, I would say, kind of a summarized situation when it came to a lot of aspects of being human trafficked. So is there going to be more to come? Are you going to name drop these hoes and and exploit these bitches? So that's my plan. That's my plan. And like the first book was kind of like, this is the reality of my life and there's more to come. There's a lot more to come because there's a lot that I want to say that I've been so scared of saying for so long that like now being in recovery, I found my voice and like, I found that I can't be silenced on my own story. So I want to do a series. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So of course we're, we're going to kind of fast forward a little bit. Um, of course you, you kind of go through all this. Um, well, we'll rewind. Hold on. So <laughs> we you, you talk about the drug houses, everything like that. And of course your active addiction in the underground scene becomes buck wild. Like, was there any time during that time period where you're like, all right, girl, we got to slow down. Or were you just kind of like at a loss of time, a lost track of time? You know, what's funny is that I want to touch on this because not a lot of people know this about me. Like at the time I was still thinking that I was sane and that I was normal because I was taking my psychiatry medication every night along with every other substance in the world. And I thought I'm fine. I'm normal. Everything will be okay. And like, this is a normal part of life because I was still taking my psych meds. Um, I think I did have like a couple of moments where I was like, why am I part of this? What the fuck am I doing here? Why? Like it was a lot of why, 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 but then it was justified with the disease of addiction and like the disease that like, I deserve this. Like, cause I was posting certain pictures online at early ages that I deserved for this to happen to me. Like it would tell me like it, like it still fucks with my head sometimes, you know, and I still think about it and I'm like, oh yeah, you deserve that. You earned that because like you were already messed up from the start. You were already getting sexually abused at the early ages of five to six years old. Like this is a pattern in your life and this is meant to be your life. Like, so that outweighed any moment of clarity that I could have ever had, okay. in the, you know, time. So I know that of course we all, we all hit our rock bottom. So of course you hit your rock bottom. You want to, you want to kind of turn your life around. So when you finally came to that moment of clarity, did you seek out um, like any type of meetings? Did you seek out just like, did you try to white knuckle it for a while? Like once you, once you got clean and needed to realize that you need to stay that way, how do you, how do you manage to stay clean? So it's funny because a lot of people like focus on like the, oh, she was human trafficked and she saved. And like, that's it. Like, that's the end of the story. That's not the end of the story for me. Like I was human trafficked and I managed to get out of that lifestyle. But there's a whole other wave of shit that comes behind that. So since I thought I was deserving of this, what happens is I end up um, eventually coming out of like drug psychosis and stuff like that. And we'll touch on that later. Um, But I ended up going to treatment, actually. And I turned, I believe it was 21 years old in treatment. And that was my one and only time going to treatment. Mind you, now I'm 24. And um, I went to treatment. And when I got out of treatment, I didn't stop using. 
I didn't stop using because like I was already addicted to this lifestyle and I had the bright idea of like, oh, they can't human traffic me now, but I sure as hell can make my own money and prostitute myself. So uh, yeah, that was my life until I did get into a relationship and I did try white knuckling it and I was fucking miserable, fucking miserable. So last year I was like, yo, like I remember that in treatment, they used to tell me to go to these meetings and that there was an app for it online. Da, 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 da. And I had this moment of like, I don't want to continue living this way anymore. Like I hate myself. I hate myself. And like, I know if I continue, I'm going to commit suicide and I'm going to get away with it this time because I had multiple suicide attempts already. Right. And I came into the rooms, I came into the meetings and I tried it out. And the thing is, I was still living a lie because I was abusing my anxiety medication. I was still abusing my anxiety medication. Um, I finally admitted that I had been abusing it. And at that point, I was like, that's it. I'm done. Like, I'm done living a lie. And they say it secrets keep us sick. And my secret was keeping me sick. And like my inability to accept a personal responsibility to fucking get better. I had this whole opportunity, you know, to, to, to make this choice, to get better, to live in the light. And when I finally made it, I mean, every second up until this moment has been worth it to get clean every fucking second, which is incredible. The thing is being like, there was one statement that you have in your book. I, I wrote it down. It says how far are people wait, <laughs> I think I just typed it. Um, it says like how fail. Oh no, whatever. Um, it says well, pretty much in the lengths that people go through to numb the pain. Mm -hmm. So, my thing is is just because you're clean doesn't mean you've numbed or you worked through what you went through. I mean, even outside of the human trafficking portion, which is I mean insane. To go through, mm -hmm. you got out of treatment, as you said, you went back to prostituting. So you went back to choosing to sell yourself, sell your body. Um, exactly. And so now that you're clean and yeah, that's, that's incredible. And it takes a huge amount of like things and work to do that. But how do you numb that pain anymore? I mean, how do you work through it? I mean, are, do you seek outside help? Is it strictly I, the, the 12 steps? No, I definitely seek outside help. I'm actually in, um, therapy for post-traumatic stress disorder and Stockholm syndrome because like what happens is we don't just get clean and like everything's like berries and butterflies and oh my god like I grew wings let me go fly no um I found myself actually clean repeating patterns like and I'm not scared to say that like I was using people before um before I ended up in my current relationship as like sexual objects and like um, a need to self-validate. Like I am still very much sick just because I'm in recovery doesn't mean like I'm healthy and wonderful. Um, I'm sick. Yeah, I'm sick and I need help on a daily basis. And like, that's why I have a sponsor and I have um, grown to like, understand that it's a lifelong process like I've grown to accept that because I would rather this lifelong process than to be still out there prostituting myself for crack or whatever fucking substance you know I know um, crack is not even that good it's I mean not <laughs> it's not math on the other hand no, I'm kidding um 
don't do drugs kids <laughs> don't 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 do it don't. um <laughs> so there, there so i there's a there's a question i want to ask that i don't want you or anybody listening to um misinterpret how like my intentions are behind this question so you had a guy you had a john that you mm-hmm. had mentioned that he wanted no sex that he mm-hmm. strictly wanted the companionship did you find that what? like Sorry. was it more um, than just him that was like that okay do you need to yell at the dog you're good i'm like stop not yours guys you guys get attention all the time um there was actually a lot uh there was about there was a couple of men actually that they didn't want anything they literally just wanted like to sit down and me listen to their bullshit or listen to my life um I can't you know it's a complex question for me because like in those moments, I found some sort of peace actually, but I found like this hatred for these men because I was like, dude, just like fuck me and get it over with. I don't want to listen to your life story. Like I just wanted the money, the drugs and to get the fuck out of there, you know? But then there was like a piece of me that didn't feel objectified and like a fucking object. And I found myself actually craving those small moments and like the in-betweens. There was this one guy. <laughs> there was this one guy. I'm sorry. I'm laughing. I get anxiety laugh. And it's my life. So fuck it. I can laugh if I want to. There was this one guy that just wanted me to hold him and cuddle him at the executive motel. I'm allowed to name drop. <laughs> Whatever. At the executive motel in Hialeah. He just wanted me to cuddle him. And he fell asleep. And I remember like I wanted it to stay longer like I wanted to stay longer I just wanted to sit there he fell asleep I didn't give a fuck you know it was like whatever um but I wanted to sit there longer and just like that was I guess one of those moments of clarity where I was like I'm not just an object you know maybe I deserve more than this but I kind of just sat there for like not even 30 minutes it was honestly like 10 minutes and it was just a breath of fresh air even though I hated it, yeah. I, I, mean, I think when you're when you're accustomed to that, I that I don't I wouldn't even want to call it an industry because it's I mean well, it's not an industry, but it is because it's millions of dollars being spent every year on it. Um, is when you're used to the one thing of like hit it, quit it, be done, or be fed the drug, and then all of a sudden you go and they're just like, well, just come lay down with me. And even though th- I feel that that person's still a fucked up human being for having yeah. to do that it's it gives that moment of clarity that there are still people that just want a human interaction and just a human touch and that that's the only way that they can get it it's kind of sad it's it's kind of sad but like at the same time they knew what they were paying for you know what i mean yeah well i agree with you on that part it's like a fucked up dark industry and like a lot of people don't know this like a lot of people think that human trafficking in like America um, is people coming from other states or other countries and like 85% or so of human trafficking in America is our local people. I don't know if you knew that or if like if people know that and it's statistic based. They just don't want to talk about it. I don't know. I went in a whole tangent. No, you're but fine. Anyway. Well, just because um, like um, 
I was in Fort Worth, Texas, and there was a Las Vegas Trail Boulevard in Fort Worth. It was the biggest sex trafficking ring caught in Texas. I mean, it was like a string of like the projects, like, and it was so, like 60% of the projects were being used for that. And it's crazy on how in a place that's so like conservative and marriage and, and stuff like mm -hmm. that, how this is so easily done. People don't, people mm -hmm. think that it, you have to go like in a so super dark web place to find it. You really well, don't. You don't. You don't. You can even find it on Tinder nowadays, which is the fucked up part. Yeah. On oh Tinder. Tinder. Mm -hmm. Um, but see, what's crazy is talking <laughs> about cuddling. It's insane how like people beyond the sex trafficking, people don't realize how much human interaction is needed. That's why I think when we go to the meetings, we're hugged. And when I was like, when I first came in, I was like, what are y'all doing to me? And they're like, well, we don't know if this is going to be the last time we see you, um, yeah. which is reality. Because I mean, I, I don't know about you, but many of us have lost friends in recovery. Um, and yeah. it sucks. And um, and I was going to say the, the American society puts so much pressure on sex. That's why there's literally websites out there dedicated to professional cuddlers. Yeah. There's people that you can hire that you know that you, like, if I hit up a man on Grinder, Growler, Jack, Scruff, whatever it is, and I'm like, <laughs> I just need a cuddle buddy. Okay, just come over here, cuddle me, hold my titties down. And next <laughs> thing you know, within a few minutes, they're trying to put it in me. They're trying to make out. And I'm like, no, that's not what I seek. And like, Dude, I just wanted to fucking cuddle. Yeah. yeah. And there's websites that it's like, okay, well, if this is what I want, I have to go fucking pay for it. And I'm not saying that's that's what those men and that mindset when they hired you were trying yeah. to do. But it was also like, at least if they paid for the cuddling, they knew that's all they were going to receive. Although yeah. there's probably other portions where they're trying to be nasty and fucking raping people. So, I mean, by no means are they innocent by it or, but whatever anyways, but I'm just saying like human interaction in general, like, so be nice to that person fucking next to you. Cause you don't know what the fuck they're going through. Exactly. And like, I don't think that a lot of people really know, like a lot of people think that it went to the extent of just sex being human trafficked. And I do want to touch on this. Like, mm. There's a whole kink world with women and men and children and even, you know, older adults that are being human trafficked. Like, can I talk about this particular story that I didn't add to my book? Yeah. Um, I think it's good that you have this podcast, by the way, because I feel so open and free to speak. I'm like, you're really holding it down right now. <laughs> that safe space. Um there's a whole world behind it and it's, it gets dark. Like for me, there was this one particular predator as I like to call them uh, or client when I referred to them back then that um, it's, it's so nasty though. Like this particular client liked to be treated like a baby. And I don't know if you've heard of these things before, yes. but he would wear a diaper and I would have to clean him up not to get too much into the logistics because I'm sure we all know what I had to clean up piss and fucking shit and that was his kink yeah it's okay to laugh but like it goes really dark you know and there's some clients that wanted to be stepped on like with high heels and shit or 
that you were on the other hand of that. Cause a lot of people don't know about that, which is to come in the next books, you know? Um, but there's a whole darkness behind it that doesn't get spoken about enough. Like, yeah, you had the cuddlers and yeah, you had the people that you would just da -da 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 and get it over with in five seconds or less, literally. But there's then the people with the, and this isn't to kink shame. I want to clarify that. Whoever has their kinks, has their fucking kinks. You go, girl. You want to be treated like a baby. You go, boy. Whatever the fuck. But you don't hire prostitutes or people that are being human trafficked to do that. You know, there's where like the the darkness, I think, really sets in. Um, Because it's like, what the fuck, bro? You know, like, it's like. I don't know how to explain it. I know 100%. What? I mean, I have been in the kink community within the gay community for many, many years and know many people in the ABDL um, world. Um, mm -hmm. But again, it's, it's the thing is the more important thing is you need to find somebody that's into it with you um, exactly. because <laughs> I have, I have friends that are into that and, and their partners into it and it's all honky dory for them. Um, but it comes to a point where, um, you're forcing somebody else into that fetish, um, which is not okay. Problem. Yeah. So, and that's that's crazy because like what's so weird is is there's so many kinky people out there. I think now that we're moving into like the 21st century, um, people are a lot more sexually open minded nowadays. I mean, women are starting to peg their husbands, and they're. <laughs> I I raised my hands. <laughs> um, my boyfriend. <laughs> oh my god hey no kidding um her boyfriend's so adorable um but and that's the thing is but again it's like involve somebody that wants to take part in it um I remember one time it's in my book um we talked about a rim chair um most people don't know what that is unless you're a homo but um like for me to get the drug I literally went and fed somebody my shit and like people are like you're disgusting I'm like oh, but guess what i didn't have to eat it um so i was okay with it and guess what it got me like five grams of meth and it's it's, it's the crazy things and it is you don't have to be a drug addict to to endure these things but to me many of these things i don't know for you but in order for me to do that i had to be a drug addict but i didn't like i had to be on some type of substance because my sober mind would not do that I mean, my sober mind will do a lot of things with consent, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking, but I completely get where you're coming from. Like, if I wasn't drugged the fuck out and strung out while all of this was going on, bro, I, I would not be here right now. Yeah. I would have had them off me. I would have been like, I can't do this. Fucking kill me. Kill me. Kill me. Do whatever you want to me. But they were feeding me drugs. Yeah. So, so the thing is, you you published this book in your name. Okay. So what made you choose to tie your identity to this? The thing is, many people that have spoke about human trafficking um, have tried to conceal their identity. Um, so what made you want to go so public with it? Because I'm not scared anymore. I'm not fucking scared. I... In recovery, they teach us that we're powerless over people, places, and things, right? They do not hold power over my voice and my life anymore. 
And I choose that actively. And like, this is my way of reclaiming that power. This is my way. This is how I see it. This is my way. Girl, that was actually a lot better answer than I was expecting. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, she gonna be stumped on this one. Hell no, she ain't. Um, so, um, of course, like we're in recovery. What is, um, hmm. So what is the... Sim- what is the one thing you dislike about being in recovery? Oh, Lordy, Lord, Lord, I can speak on this. I hate the motherfucking 13 steppers. And if you know what 13 stepper is, you know, you know, you know. Basically, I'm going to break it down for them what 13 stepper is. It's people with clean time that prey on newcomers. And there's some that are vocal about it. They're like, yeah, I, with that newcomer, with this one and the other. Now, listen, hmm. I don't like that shit. I don't like it. And it reminds me of like being human trafficked all over it. Because it's like, I'm here for a safe space and to get clean. And you're preying on me basically, because I'm a newcomer and you want to say you're the one that got, that like got, got this coochie, you know? And it's like, bitch, you ain't gonna get shit. <laughs> <laughs> but let's also let's Sorry. also look at the other side that there, don't get me wrong, there are there are people that are long-term, short-term sobriety that actually do end up developing a very spiritual relationship. But there are a hundred percent male females that will look at a newcomer, see the vulnerability, and purposely prey on them because it's a game to them. So yeah. there are both sides that coin. Um, at the end of the day, we're in recovery because we sick ass people. Um, another beggar. So some are sick than others. That is that some are way sicker than others. I'm a sick bitch. Um, so on the other side of that coin, what is um like one takeaway from recovery that like has been the most impactful to you? So. There's this woman, right? Won't say her name. Don't worry. Because of anonymity. She has 30 something years in the program, right? And she said, pain is natural. Suffering is optional. You can let go or be dragged. And I love that. Because suffering, she put it into a perspective of like, my suffering is optional. Do I want to let go of this person, this place, this thing, this situation? Or do I want to be dragged with it and suffer? And like, I love that because it resonates with my entire life. It resonates. Like I can either let go and let my higher power take control and feel that fucking pain and get through it and get better and get stronger. Or I can be dragged all the way through. I can be dragged even being clean. I can suffer even being clean, but that's a choice. Just like the drugs are a choice at this point to either like recover or die that's how I see it. I can either suffer or feel my pain and get through it. That is very true. I, I've never even thought about that that way. I'm going to, once we hang up, well, once I end the recording, we don't see who said that. No, I'm kidding. So before we, we end the episode, um, what is one thing or, or what is something you um, haven't said that you would like to share with everybody? I want to share like, that like even in our darkest moments, I think like there's light. There's light. Like 
we don't all have to have the same God or the same higher power, but something there is present. If me and you are alive right now and we're clean and we're fucking miracles, I know everybody's a fucking miracle. The fact that we're alive today means that we have a choice to continue getting better, right? And like, even if you're using drugs right now and watching this or hearing this, like you're still fucking alive, bro. We all have a choice. We all have a choice. And like, even in our darkest moment, there's light. There's light. Awesome. Well, we just you. can't see it. Well, Sorry. Open your damn no, no, you're good. If you can't see the motherfucking light, you open your eyes, bitch. You can't see it when we're going through the hell. But baby, it's there. It's there. Exactly. So if anybody wants to speak with you more, maybe they've experienced human trafficking themselves and just want to reach out to you, where can they find you? So uh, my Instagram is the gratitude girl Inc and they can find me there or on Facebook or, or whatever. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> and the Inc is, is INC. Yes. INC. So, and also if anybody wants to check out her book, um, you can find it on Amazonian. No, Amazon um, at Surviving <laughs> the Shadow, Unveiling the Darkness. I will um, link it as well in the bio of this episode um, for anybody that wants to check it out. So thank you so much, Samantha, for finally coming on the podcast. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. It's honestly a privilege. And like, thank you again for listening to today's episode. Hit that follow button to be notified about new episodes every week. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Instagram at the Sober Unicorn Podcast or on our website at the Sober Unicorn Podcast.com. There you will find our episodes as well as our very own sober owned shop featuring products from small businesses that are sober owned. And remember, everyone, don't be normal, be a unicorn, but better yet, be a sober unicorn.